Abraham Lincoln spent a substantial portion of his presidency in this place, yet for a hundred years no one knew it existed. What happened and who found it? We'll find out when we talk more with Frank Milligan, director of the Lincoln Cottage, when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. On Sound Authors, you can expect the unexpected. Kent Gustafson, Ph.D., author, publisher, professional musician, and now talk radio show host, will not only entertain you, but with new books and guest authors from around the world, will interview talented, independent musicians showcasing their fresh new music. Plan to join Dr. Kent and friends each Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on World Talk Radio Studio A. Sound Authors, where authors sound off. What's it like? What's it like? It's lonely. It's really lonely. I miss my brother. I miss my brother. I'm surrounded by other people, but it's not the same. I've got other people around me, but it's not the same. It's pretty scary, but I don't let it rattle me. It's scary around here, but I don't let it rattle me. You always have to watch your back. There's no one to watch my back. I spend my whole day worried who's out to get me. I'm always wondering who's out to get me. But I can take care of myself. But I can take care of myself. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. It's not like I have a choice. It's not like I have a choice. This will all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. This will all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. Go to jail for a gun crime and your family serves a sentence with you. Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadylocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors cried the second. I hope it had the bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Frank Milligan, who is the director of the President Lincoln's Cottage at the Soldier's Home. And in our first segment, we talked about this remarkable place that's uh, bigger than a cottage, uh, quite a nice house, actually, on the outskirts of Washington, to which Lincoln and his family uh, moved in the summers of 1862, 63, and 64 uh, to get away from the heat of Washington and the stress of the White House, and where they, uh, and and from where Lincoln conducted much presidential business. Uh, Frank, you mentioned that the, uh, the, the it took 45 minutes to get back and forth between 
this place on horseback. So it's not very far away. It, is it a couple miles uh, between the White House yeah, and the... Yeah, just a little over three miles, Jerry. So what difference would that make? I mean, if I, I go three miles from my office to home, it's a very short commute. I'm very happy with it. Uh, in in my station wagon it takes uh, about ten minutes, but I have to admit I don't feel that I'm on vacation uh, when I go from one to the other. Uh, how does this three mile separation? What's different about the soldiers' home from just staying in the White House? Yeah, uh, the, the the physical location is night and day. Uh, it's it's uh, you know a, a describe it. The, Pardon me. Describe that that location. Yeah, it, it, we're, first off, we're on the the uh, second highest point of land in D.C. Uh, I'm looking out my office window here with a clear view of of the dome, Capitol Dome, and Washington Monument, and on a clear day, the uh, you know the Potomac. And Lincoln had this same view of an unfinished dome and an unfinished Washington Monument and the Potomac. Uh, he uh, so f- first of all, the breezes here are magnificent year round, and for anyone that's been here. D.C. in the summer, the breezes uh, are a lifesaver on many days, and it truly, even today, even with newer architecture here, uh, it's it's much cooler, eight to ten degrees cooler than downtown. The water uh, is, you know, spring-fed water, uh, much different than what uh, was at the White House. We all know the problems that caused with the with, with the Lincoln ch- children with Willie's death and whatnot. Um, and the grounds themselves were just beautiful. Um, this was a working farm when Riggs was here and was soon converted when the government bought the property, you know, put in some wonderful carriage paths, began to plant species of trees and shrubs from all, all around the world, actually. It became sort of a laboratory. Uh, and uh, uh, so it, it provided that, 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 uh, that, that physical change from the mall, as, as, uh, as Lincoln would have known it. Uh, then again, the, the cottage itself um, is uh, the architecture is such that it's designed to catch the breezes. And even today, although we've now uh, we have our air conditioning in the cottage for one of those days when we need it, uh, even on hot days in the summer, it's amazingly cool with the breezes just uh, keeping you refreshed inside a beautiful front veranda that Lincoln we know Lincoln loved to to sit on. Uh, and much of what we know about this place. Uh, fortunately, comes from the letters that hit members of his military guard, the Pennsylvania Bucktail 150th Regiment, was assigned to protect the family here. And they were largely a well-educated lot with not a whole lot to do out here except guard the presidential family, and so had lots of time for letter writing. And those letters give us wonderful insight into the day-to-day routine uh, that the family uh, had here. Now, if a visitor... Uh, listening to the show here might be in another state or another continent and can't come and see. Uh, I'm looking at the website that has a, a picture of the the home, which shows the the veranda and gives a sense of the the architecture. Uh, what is that website? www.lincolncottage.org, uh, which is a, a site that we're uh, building all the time. We have we have a blog uh, as well there now, and we have some wonderful dialogue going. Um, and, you know, we, we, we talk a little bit about Mary Lincoln here, Jerry, and, and uh, our visitors, you know, she continues to intrigue the public in, in certain areas and, and scholars. Uh, and uh, the, family, the family dynamics here are also a very interesting aspect and provide great insight into Lincoln as president. And, you know, that's what we're here to do is to talk about Lincoln's ideas more than furniture or, uh, you know, more of the concrete aspect. But Lincoln was here alone a lot. Mary, as we know, 
was a was a shopper, and she loved to escape the Washington heat, as many do. In the summers, for between eight to ten weeks, she would head north to Seaside or New York or Boston, uh, Philadelphia. And Lincoln was here alone uh, during some of the most incredibly intense periods of his presidency. You know, as, as we all know, the spring and summer is when the military campaigns really uh, got rolling, and also when preparations were made for the fall elections and. Uh, it, it's a it's another aspect of Lincoln at the Lincoln Cottage that our that visitors will gain a better understanding of. This is a man who spent many hours here alone, and you know my feeling is that he really didn't like being alone a whole lot. So he would invite John Hay and others out here to uh, read poetry or read Shakespeare, and in Lincoln's own way try and escape the intense pressures of the presidency. Now, one another, of the so one of the questions that uh, that I addressed in, in Did Lincoln Own Slaves, because it is one of the questions asked more often than than almost any other uh, in the last five or ten years or so, uh, and one that I'm sure you and your staff must be asked, uh, when you're talking about Lincoln spending all this time alone, um, what about that, uh, that captain from the Pennsylvania Bucktails who spent time in Lincoln's bed wearing his nightshirt? Lincoln Gay, David De- David Derrickson, yeah, very obviously became very very good friends with the president, uh, and you know as 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 we all know, I think that Lincoln enjoyed uh, male camaraderie a great a great deal, uh, and uh, there's no question that that uh, he and Derrickson struck up a friendship. Uh, they shared the ride uh, to and from the White House uh, because Derrickson was part of his cavalry guard, and uh, Lincoln was was uh, inclined to discuss business with Derrickson um, along that ride. Uh, and uh, the fact that, that Lincoln was alone here, um, it shouldn't be, I don't think, too surprising that, that uh, uh, Derrickson, like John Hay, uh, was often invited to bunk, uh, bunk up overnight, whether it was in Lincoln's bed or just another bedroom upstairs. I suppose we'll never know. The, uh, we do have, as you say, those letters from the... the uh... Uh, the soldiers who were there, and there are all kinds of other bits and pieces of, of reminiscent evidence. Uh, one, one of my favorite stories about the soldiers' home came across in a, a newspaper or magazine, I guess, uh, many years ago, was uh, the, the story of Silas Burt, uh, a major uh, Union officer who, who comes with some other soldiers to visit Lincoln. Uh, uh, I don't. Does that ring a bell? The, they drop in late at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lincoln, uh, as you say, he, he visit. He let all kinds of people visit him. He, he conducted all kinds of business there. But uh, uh, right. one night, uh, a, a group of drunken officers right. uh, decides to drop in on Lincoln. And, and uh, when when Bert wrote his account of it many uh, years or months later, he. He was mortified to realize his comrades didn't actually have an appointment with the president. They had just decided to break in, and he wasn't alone. And uh, you know that that's a that's a particularly interesting episode. And just as you under, understand how they actually got here, uh, because it was a very remote site. It was, as you say, three miles, which in today's you know uh, in today's world isn't much. But uh, we've got to remember that Washington was a pretty small city. And once Lincoln passed the, the toll gate uh, coming up 7th, you, you really were in the rural countryside. It was dark. Uh, there were you know, country roads that were largely um, you know, un, un, unkept and heavily wooded. And uh, 
which uh, more than one visitor got turned around and ended up back downtown, not not having made it here. Uh, but just as importantly, it, it also there was a security issue for for Lincoln and ironically for McClellan and Stanton, who who really neither of them were really comfortable with Lincoln being out here without some guard. And uh, eventually, the 150th was posted here, and his cavalry guard. But even then, there there was an attempt at assassination, um, according to a sergeant Stimmel, who who records in detail a shot at Lincoln outside of the gates uh, from the heavily treed areas. We know that uh, uh, John Wilkes Booth um, stalked Lincoln for kidnapping, not necessarily for assassination, uh, but Lincoln did not show up. I think it was Campbell Hospital when, when um, that, that trap was set. And after that, Booth turned his, his focus more to assassination. And then, of course, we had the exposure of this property to Confederate attacks. Uh, you know, in, in 62, in 63, and 64, when the Confederates moved north over the Potomac, their destinations were largely unknown. And uh, here was the president living out in the country, uh, near the Potomac, really, uh, and, and fully exposed to, to Confederate attack from the east and from the north. And in 1864, Jubal Early came north with 20,000 men and uh, attacked the city at Fort Stevens, just a mile and a half north from here and really came very close to uh, causing some trouble. At least it would, be, would have been for a short period of time. But the Lincoln family, including Robert, who was out here at the time, was hustled away in the middle of the night by, by Secretary of War Stanton back, back down to the White House because they really were... Uh, 100, 150 uh, soldiers really wasn't going to stand up against Jubal Early if he had gotten by Fort Stevens. So all of this just speaks to the remoteness of this location, uh, even though it was only three miles from the White House. So Lincoln really is out uh, uh, somewhat in the middle of, of nowhere in, in one sense. This That might account to some extent for, for the question I raised in the introduction to our, our segment here. Um, you said earlier that after Lincoln, uh, President Hayes and President Arthur used the, the soldiers' home grounds as a retreat. But what happened after that? Uh, how, how did it become lost to public view? Well, that's that's a you know a, a story that uh, is part of what we tell here in our uh, visitor center, Robert H. Smith Visitor Center, which is is, is uh, I'm I'm sitting in right now, and, and we're awaiting our first visitors in February. Uh, this continued to be a retirement home, and continues today to be uh, a retirement home for our veterans. There's uh, around 1,100 veterans living on this on this site. Uh, and uh, they, uh, just like their predecessors in the 1860s, I think are very proud of the Lincoln uh, story and the Lincoln heritage. They've been watching our work now for, uh, for going on eight, nine years as we've restored the outside and, and uh, spent over $15 million of money we've, we've raised to fix this place up. They're very proud of that and being a part of, of, of that legacy. Uh, I think that's really a neat uh, and sort of a really intriguing aspect for our visitors that when they come onto these grounds, they're uh, in a sense reliving history. They're they're visiting Lincoln's home as many uh, predecessors did during the 1860s. So the 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 veterans continued to use it, but the the Anderson Cottage itself, the room where Lincoln, uh, by some accounts, wrote part of the Emancipation yeah. Proclamation turns into an administrative office. Uh, yeah, it turns into many things, including the first residence for female 
veterans. Uh, it was home for the for the band for many years, and then, as you say, administrative offices. And that's thank God for that, really, because uh, because it was continually occupied when the trust national trust uh, got involved here in in 2000. Uh, Dick Moe, president of the trust then and today, realized the importance uh, of the cottage historically, and decided that it was really something that needed to be preserved. And because it was continually occupied, uh, the structurally it was in, in pretty good shape, you know, and uh, it, that's one of the wonderful things about being able to reopen it to visitors is that so much of the physical fabric remains from Lincoln's day, the windows, the window casements, the, you know. it's. I walk up and down those stairs two or three times a day at least and holding the handrail that Lincoln held and walking on those steps it uh, doesn't get any better than that, and uh, so uh, uh, that continual use has been a, a, a real uh, lifesaver for us. I, I had the opportunity to see it in, I think, 2002. Uh, I walked through there, and uh, I, I know exactly what you're saying, that, that some, uh, there, there were floors that could be identified as dating back to Lincoln's time. There were, say, stairs. There were... Uh, substantial parts of the house architecturally that were unchanged since he was there, and uh, and yet there was also evidence of you know were folding tables and bulletin boards right. and put up. Uh, it, it had been used all this time uh, by people who were sort of unaware of the history around them. Uh, so much the, work has been done now to to return it to the appearance. You know, we we took off 22 layers of paint on most walls, and now his library, for example, uh, when we unearthed, uh, we did research to real, and, and which told us that this was a, you know, a clear pine, uh, lo- lovely shellac, clear southern pine library, and that's exactly the way it looks right now. And when we stripped away that paint, lo and behold, there were the, the marks for the bookshelves uh, that would have been there and, and, uh, in Lincoln's time. Uh, you know, we've taken a really interesting approach to presenting this to the public. This is not a typical historic house visit. Uh, we just wanted to do something different and, and more effective than so many uh, historic house visits. And so we've, we've uh, uh, in, in, installed within the cottage uh, the audio and audiovisual um, enhancements that really make the place come alive. Uh, Jerry, you talked about Silas Bird and, and visitors. You know, now our visitors get to sit down in the same room that those visitors sat in. The furniture we've obtained is for sitting. It's not for looking at. You don't stand behind stanchions. You go through on a guided tour with, with a trained educator. You sit, in, you sit in the furniture, and you hear through actors' recreated voices, including Lincoln's. Those, those visits come to life and illustrate uh, in, in a really effective way the feeling of being there while Lincoln was there. We have... Uh, uh, visuals as well. You know, the days of passing around mounted photographs to a, to a tour group is over at Lincoln Cottage. And so now we have some screens, two screens in the cottage, because as you know, it's, there's such a rich visual history. Uh, when it comes to emancipation, for example, we've, we can share with our visitors so many of the visual responses, both positive and negative, to Lincoln. And our goal here was to talk about Lincoln's ideas, but really to, to get Lincoln off the pedestal and, and talk about, you know, the, the, the reality of the Emancipation Proclamation, what it did, what it didn't do. And fortunately, we've, 
uh, we've invested in in, uh, in in bringing that story to life in a real special way. It's it's really exciting. It really has not been done, to my knowledge, at any other historic house in the country, and uh, we we just think it's appropriate that that Lincoln sort of breaks the mold with this. Well, that, that's something again. Every listener to the show will want to visit the uh, the President Lincoln Cottage at the Soldiers' Home when they're in the Washington, D.C. area. We're going to take another short break. We'll come back in just a moment with our guest today, Frank Milligan, director of the President Lincoln Cottage at the Soldiers' Home. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. We'll be right back on Civil War Talk Radio. 